Well, hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad that you are here. Hey, we're going to be doing something a little bit different here on my podcast. A few weeks ago, I had mentioned that I was going to make a pivot here on my podcast. And one of those pivots is me helping you understand your Bible in a deeper way. I'm going to do that by going through the life of David. And so over the coming weeks, I will be posting content uh, where we will be studying First and Second Samuel together. I'll have a teaching at the front of each time that we gather and then also at the end I'll have a discussion with a friend of mine where we go over uh, the study for the day and talk about what we've gotten out of it. My hope is is that the content will help you understand your Bible in a deeper way and each time I post I'll have a link for you to be able to print off a study guide and my hope is that you would grab a friend go through the content and just begin to study your Bible for yourself. So with all that said let's jump into today's content. We are going to begin today's study in 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13. And one of the favorite things I do at our church is a community group, and it's actually called Holy Spirit and just helping people um, understand the things of God in a deeper way. Um, Whenever I got saved, I didn't know anything. I literally didn't know the difference between Genesis and Revelation. And um, through years of being in church, I began to study out the Word of God for myself. And one of my biggest obstacles was understanding Scripture. I loved the Bible. I loved that people loved it. I loved hearing preaching about it. I enjoyed all those things. But when I picked it up, it felt very foreign. And so part of what I do in our community group is I do one of the weeks on understanding scripture. And one of the most important things you can get as we begin our study is understanding that the way the Bible is laid out is actually in a way that helps us understand it. And so whenever they canonize scripture, um, they broke it up into different um, books or sections, if you will. And the first uh, five books of the Bible is Laws and Rules. And right after that is a group of books of the Bible that are all historical in nature. And so whenever you pick up a history book, it's not real interesting. In fact, I'm kind of weird. Um, Brian and I, when we go on vacation, I love to read uh, textbooks. Um, In fact, one time I read a college economics um, textbook um, just for fun on our vacation to Hawaii. Um, I sat on the beach and read it and actually became great friends with an accountant while we were there because he was like, you're the only person I've ever met that would read an an economics uh, textbook um, while on vacation. But I would pick up a history book, a textbook, and just read it. So, but the next portion and that portion of scripture that we read through in First and Second Samuel, uh, First and Second Chronicles, uh, First and Second Kings, um, if it feels kind of like you're reading a textbook, it's because you are. Um, that's a historical block of of the scriptures. In fact, there's only one historical book in the New Testament, and that's the Book of Acts. And so, the Book of Acts is going to give us history of the whole New Testament church. And then the next uh, grouping of books that happens in your Bible is poetry and song. And so this is going to happen in Psalms, Proverbs, um, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Songs. And this is all going to be uplifting, beautiful uh, passages of Scripture. And right after that is going to be the prophets. And this is going to be a little bit of doom and gloom. And um, when we read through these, there are going to be some really wild stories that happen in the prophets. And honestly, those books of the Bible 
are so hard for me to read. Um, I do a 30-day shred um, every year with my friends, and we read through um, from Genesis to Revelations in 30 days. And the hardest portion of Scripture for me to get through is actually the prophets. Um, There's a lot of really tough Bible read in that portion of text. Then the next thing that we see is we see the Gospels. Um, the Gospels are actually canonized in Scripture in the order that they were written. So we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And there are three synoptic Gospels. Synoptic meaning that they were all written in the same time period. And then there's the fourth, which is John. And so John wrote his last. And so the Gospels help us see the life of Christ. And so we, then right after those Gospels, we see the only historical book in the New Testament, which is Acts. And then everything after that is all letters written to churches. And those letters written to churches um, were directly having to do with their particular uh, issues, what they had going on at the time. And so when you pick those up, it's going to be, um, it's interesting for us to keep in mind the context and to the audience to which it was written to. And so you've got Roman, Greek, and Jews that were written to. Everything after Hebrews is written to Jewish audience. So those letters um, are going to feel a little bit more like they're law-driven than the other passages of Scripture. And you may be asking yourself, why does this matter? I thought we were studying the life of David. Well, the reason why is that David happens in 1 Samuel, and that is a historical book. And the reason why that's important to have that in our mindset is whenever we're picking up a book of the Bible to study, it's important for us to know how we're approaching the text. Just as it's important to know that the book of James was written to a Jewish audience, it makes me approach the text in a different way. And so whenever we think about the book of 1 Samuel, that this is a historical record, of the life of David. David being one of the most influential characters, if you will, in the Bible, this helps us kind of frame up um, what to expect as we go through this. So the book of First and Second Samuel are, is very historical in nature. Sometimes it's going to be a little bit boring. There's going to be some lineage and some different things in there, but it's actually one of my favorites, but I loved history in school as a kid. And so I get a lot from it. So as we think about um, David, David was alive more than 2,800 years ago. And when you think about that, that 2,800 years have passed, and yet he still remains one of the most influential characters of all time, like one of the most influential people, if you will. Um, Even still today, artists and and people find inspiration from their life, uh, from the life of David. And so when we see this text opening up in 1 Samuel 16, um, verse 1, it says, The Lord says to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? It should be noted that Saul was the first king over Israel. Now God led the people, the Israelite people, out of bondage from the Egyptian people, from Pharaoh, and he led them into a wilderness, and his goal was to lead them out so he could be their king. And the sad part is, is your Bible says that they got out and they came into the promised land and they began to look at all these other nations of people. And your Bible records in the beginning of 1 Samuel that they began to desire for themselves a king like everybody else. And what's sad is that wasn't God's intention for them. And after they continue to pray and, and plead to God um, to have a king like everybody else, God finally relented and gave them 
what they thought they wanted. You know, side note, I think sometimes we can push our will for our lives um, instead of God's will. And God's will was never for them to have a man king. He wanted to be their leader and be their king. So they get Saul, and Saul was the most um, talented, if you will. He was the most likely of uh, candidates to be a king. Uh, The Bible records him as being head and shoulders taller than everybody else. And so Saul gets anointed king by the prophet Samuel. Samuel does three anointings in his lifetime. He does the first anointing, which is his sons. Uh, Samuel being the prophet of the time, he anoints his sons, and his sons are wayward. Uh, The scripture records of them uh, not serving the Lord and turning from the things of God. And then he anoints Saul, and Saul turns from the things of God as well. And, And so here he is at the end of his life, and he's feeling honestly like everything I've done has been for nothing. Like, God, where are you in the midst of all of this? And the scripture picks up that the Lord tells him, how long will you mourn for Saul? And he tells him, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel, fill your horn with oil. I would just encourage you that in the moments of our greatest despair, it's our job, it's our role to fill our horn with oil again. And, And what the Lord is telling him is that I'm not done with you. Like you still have another assignment. You still have another thing that I want you to do. The third anointing that Samuel would have happen, we're about to see happen, is going to be the anointing of David as king. And what's so cool about this is, is that even though Samuel feels like he has failed at every turn, God still had a third anointing. He still had something more that he wanted to do. And I just want to encourage you, wherever this might find you, you may feel like Samuel that the prayers that you prayed for your own children, the prayers that you've prayed for people around you, it seems like nothing has worked out, nothing has happened. But God's got a third anointing. He's got another person, another plan, another purpose for your life. And so don't stop with what seems like hasn't worked out. And, and I love that Samuel didn't stop, you know, that he chose to take a step of faith and to fill his horn with oil again. What's so cool about this is that everything you read in the Bible, it's going to be a God part and our part. There's the God part of him doing what only he could do, but there's our part of doing what only we could do. God's plan and his purpose was for David to be anointed king, but Samuel's part of that plan was to fill his horn with oil. He had to take action. He had to be willing to take a step of faith. And so I would encourage you that in your life, there's going to be God possibilities, right? His promises are his possibilities for us, but they're always going to require a step of action on our part. And if Samuel would have neglected to fill the horn with oil, because God wasn't going to come down and fill it for him, he had to make the step to do it. And oil was costly at this time. And so it was a huge step of faith for him to be able to do it. And so he says, fill your horn with oil and I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. And I... For I have provided for myself a king among his sons. What's so cool is that David was the king, not that people chose, but God chose. And and when God picks, he always picks the right thing. See, Samuel knew how costly disobedience would be. And in this text, he goes in and he looks at everybody that's standing before him, his uh, Jesse's house, and he's got all of his sons. And David is out in the sheep field and he's keeping sheep. And his father didn't even call him in, um, didn't even think that he was king material. And I often think if if you were to show up to somebody's house, I'm one of five kids. And I think if my mom was like, oh, wow, somebody's going to be the next something big and forgot to call me in, I would feel a little bit rejected, right? And and But yet here David is, he's out in the field and he's keeping sheep. 
and they send for him and Samuel has everybody stand and wait till he comes and your Bible doesn't record how long it took it doesn't record uh, the brothers reactions although we do know that he was rejected by his brothers his brothers really didn't see him as king material nor did his father and yet God uh, saw the potential on the inside of him God thought it was worth waiting on Eliab was the obvious choice for to be the next king you know Eliab was David's brother when you read about this in Verse 6, it says, When they had come in, he looked on Eliab, the eldest son, and said, Surely the the Lord's anointed is before him. I want to encourage you today that men look at the outward appearances, but the Lord judges our hearts. They picked, the Israelite people before had picked on appearances, but God knew to pick the best, it took the heart. And I, I love this because God sees beyond what meets our eyes. And this is truly uh, God's strategy and, and picking people even today. God often chooses unusual places, unusual people, and unusual times to accomplish what he desires. God's choice is not always the most logical, but I will say at the end of it all, it's always the best. And even for myself, I know God has put me in situations where it's almost comical. In fact, um, it was a couple years ago, I found myself teaching at a Bible college, and I'm teaching at a Bible college when I myself have never graduated graduated from a Bible college. It was like comical that I'm up there teaching a class, but I myself had never graduated it from it. And so I'll just say this to say that sometimes whenever God chooses you, it doesn't matter your credentials in the natural. It doesn't matter if people in your life have affirmed you or, or disqualified you. When God chooses you, that's all that matters. And that's what we see God do here in the story of David. And you know, we see this happen in another time in Matthew chapter 1. Um, it's actually, when you read Matthew, uh, it mimics uh, the genealogy. It's it's starting out the beginning. It's wanting to be similar to the Genesis of the New Testament. And it gives us this whole lineage of all these people um, that Jesus' bloodline comes through. And, and we love to hear about stories about Abraham. But then there's people like Judah. And Judah is the guy who sleeps with his daughter-in-law because she disguises herself as a prostitute. And And he doesn't realize it's his daughter-in-law. And she comes to him. It's this whole scandalous story. And Judah, in fact, Jesus is known as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Judah was not a great guy. He wasn't an upstanding character. He wasn't one of the guys that you'd be like, wow, when I grow up, I want to be like Judah. And yet this is where Jesus came from. Uh, Tamar is another one um, that is in Jesus' bloodline. and, And she didn't have a great past as well, nor did Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. And then we read on down and you've got the story of Manasseh it says that part of Jesus bloodline was from Manasseh and Manasseh was the king that decided that he was sick of the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Isaiah has a whole book and and from the prophet Isaiah we find most of our messianic prophecies and Manasseh decided he was so sick of the prophet Isaiah that he had him killed now what's wild is is through Manasseh's bloodline would come Jesus and so what's interesting is you see somebody who wanted to stop right the the coming of the messiah stop the voice of god but yet through his bloodline comes uh the jesus the god man and so when we read through all the different people in the lineage of jesus we'll see that there's all kinds of people that don't seem like logical choices they don't seem like the best of choices but yet god picks them anyways 
And David, when we read about him here in 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13, he gets anointed as king. And you would think in my way of telling the story that they would have this beautiful procession and take him to the palace and all the things. And it's kind of like a Disney movie and they lived happily ever after. But it's not the way it goes at all. In fact, it actually, most people, when you study this out, says that he went back to a sheep field and life went on as usual for 15 years. And when you think about that, that's 5,475 days and plenty of time to doubt God's word. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I know in my life, there's been so many times where God will speak something to my heart. And I, in my mind, I think it's going to happen immediately. But actually, the minute God speaks something is usually an indicator that you're going to go into a season of waiting. And that's exactly what happens in the life of David. What's wild is, is when you read 1 Samuel 16, it's four tiny verses that separate his time of hiddenness to Saul calling him. And those four verses take 15 years. And sometimes in our lives, when we're reading our Bibles, we forget that sometimes those four verses is really is what developing our character who we are, and preparing us for the next season of our life. And it's the most important verses um, that would be written of us. But yet, David's hidden. Okay, so we're going to do something fun. And we're going to do a discussion where we're going to hang out. Yeah, we had the lecture first. Now we have the discussion. Yes. This is the group portion. Yeah, this is group. Group. Uh, This is small group. This is small group. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm here with my friend. And so tell them about you and who you are. My name is Emily. Yeah, it is. Emily McMillan Formal. Yes. Um, I am Pastor Crystal's assistant. Oh, but you're here that as is my, my friend. calling from the Lord, <laughs> from the Lord Jesus. But I am also Crystal's friend, and we're here to talk about David because I love David. Yes, and David. I yes, and I wanted to do this because I wanted you to see what it's like to just like I feel like we do this all the time. Yes, like this is yeah. what we do. Yeah, often this yes. is like our natural habitat. Yes, yeah, for sure, for sure. I think we were walking down the road the other day and. I was talking about how much I loved David and how much I connected with him. Yes. And if you're, I don't know if you're familiar with um, the Enneagram, but I'm uh, Enneagram 4. And I think I associate. She thought she was a 7. Then she thought she was a (laughs) 3. And then she realized she's a 4. So, yeah. Well, I really uh, identify with David because he is so in touch with his emotions. If you listen to the psalms you're like dang this guy's like sad then happy then sad that's me on a day-to-day basis yeah yeah sometimes hour to hour (laughs) (laughs) for real or minute to minute it's okay truly truly hey it's okay i have space for that yeah so i love david yeah i'm so excited for the study and all the things about him you're so kind I think it's good. But I wanted you guys to be a part of this discussion because I think a lot of people 
want to have like friends and have this kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. And so my hope is that through this podcast series is that you'll be able to grab a girlfriend, grab a friend, and just kind of it'll help be conversation starters um, for you to begin to talk about it. So Emily, from today, what kind of stood out to you? About uh, David from First Samuel uh, 16, we're today, well, uh, 1 through 13. Really, when you talked about um, about how they chose, um, God wanted to be their king. Yes. And But they wanted a person to be their king. That yes. really, like, kind of stabbed me in the heart. Because oh. I was like, how often do we do that? Truly, that God's like, can I? And I used to make that joke, or not even a joke, it was really a declaration of like, well, God's my employer, God's my provider. Like, we often say things like that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, God's my husband, God's my friend, like, mm-hmm. God's all the things to us. And I think that is God's desire. Like, He is a jealous God, and He wanted to be their leader and their king. And little did they know, I mean, they didn't know He would actually be the perfect leader. Mm-hmm. and the perfect uh, perfect king for them. Mm-hmm. And they were like, actually, no. Mm-hmm. Like, we want a guy. Yeah. We want a man to be our king. Yeah. And how often we do that as people. Oh, we do it all the time. Yeah. I'm like, no, actually, like, God's my defender. Yeah. But no, we would rather defend ourselves. Yes. Or we'd rather have someone else stick up for us. God's my provider, but let me go get all these other side yeah. jobs and totally yeah. stress myself out and overextend myself right right yeah yeah i've never done that no <laughs> nor have i i've never done that i've never done that i've never done that so it really hit me like i don't think i've seen it in that perspective of like oh that's exactly what we do is when god's like please let me be this for you yeah i will do it so well like yeah. please let me be god and you just be you mm. and we're like can i be it because i'd rather yeah you know yeah and all it always leads to distress mm-hmm. like when we try to take god's position a hundred percent no matter what portion of that position it is yeah it always it. hurts us yes um but we always every single time like it's through pride that you think like yeah god's my provider through me providing for myself yes you know that like well it's the um it's the mentality of god helps those who help themselves Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. really what people people make it scripture but it's not yeah and what portion is me and what portion is them yes is god i mean a hundred percent a hundred percent so on my run the other day um we lost brian's mom recently um last week which was awful and um, our family's just gone through a really hard, honestly, like month and um, really even further back a whole year um, yeah. of just like a lot of loss. And what God spoke to me was out of First Samuel uh, 16, um, verse 1, whenever he says, how long will you mourn for mm-hmm. Saul mm-hmm. and to get up and fill your oil again and just the obedience and like the act of faith it took and I felt the Lord just really speak to me strong on my run the other day um that it's time for us to fill our horn with oil again and that God wants to pour out through us even in our broken Mm -hmm. state because Samuel had a broken heart like it was really hard for him to go to the house of Jesse um after so much heartbreak and so much disappointment and honestly feeling failed by God and like forgotten by God, like, God, I've done all this. I've, I've put your name on things and, and nothing seems to have worked out. And I really felt the Lord just like breathe on Mm. me and just that he wants to fill again. 
you know, wow. me with oil, but I have to be willing to take that step of faith. Wow. Yeah. And so um, that really just in my own quiet time, God's just really been like reverberating that mm-hmm. like so loud in my mm-hmm. spirit, like just mm-hmm. really like just taking that step of faith, like mm-hmm. even if your heart's broken, like mm-hmm. taking that step of faith. And so even recording this podcast, I'm like, here I am. But even as I studied it out, I told Brian the other day, I was like, it's interesting that Samuel um, had three anointings that he performed, mm-hmm. his sons, and then on Saul, and then on David. Mm-hmm. But David went through three anointings. He went through a private anointing, and then he went through the anointing over Judah, mm-hmm. and then he went through the anointing over all of Israel. Yeah. And it wasn't till Israel that he got the fulfillment of the promise. Mm-hmm. And what's so cool to me is that Samuel felt disappointed by God but God was thinking generations. He was thinking of a person that would be anointed that would change nations mm-hmm. and really all of history. And right. Samuel was thinking about his lifetime and just yeah. thinking about how wow. there's there's power in that third anointing on mm-hmm. our lives. There's power when God breathes fresh wind. And yeah. so just like encouraging wherever you might be at, like God wants to breathe on that disappointment. God mm-hmm. wants to breathe on what you feel like has failed and not worked out. Yeah. So that's what's been speaking to me personally. That's really good. What does it look like for your horn to be filled with oil, though, like practically? Because that feels like, what, yeah. What does it look like for someone else to do that? So for me, like in Psalm 92 in verse 10, I'm turning there in my Bible. <laughs> um, 92 verse 10, it says, but my horn... Um, you have exalted like that of a wild ox. I'm anointed with fresh oil. So for me, it's like, it's God just giving us fresh joy, um, fresh vision, um, fresh like energy. Like Mm -hmm. I I think the oil always represents the Holy Spirit. And so you think about the fruit of the spirit. So it's God giving just that fresh wind, you know, Mm -hmm. all the way through. And so that's what it looks like to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And me filling myself with oil, I don't think I can fill myself with oil. I think God can fill me, Mm -hmm. right? But Mm -hmm. it's me taking the step of faith to allow myself to be filled. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. So, I mean, in the natural. When you wake up in the morning and you're like, okay, God, fill me with oil. I mean, I do in the aspect of, uh, I think gratitude does that. Mm-hmm. I think um, gratitude does that for me. The word mm-hmm. and prayer like mm-hmm. has in this season, it's been what's really sustained us. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Yeah. For me, like, I feel like it's always been like worship. Yeah. Because I can remember like, even through this last week, like with all mm-hmm. the grief mm-hmm. and I was playing guitar and I'm like this is where that place has been Mm -hmm. forever Mm -hmm. it's like when you're by yourself and you can't really sing any words because you're crying yes (laughs) you know but you you feel the presence of God so strongly yes and um so that's where it's is for me but I also have to like sit and be practical and like ask it Mm -hmm. like not just just knowing the prayer you're supposed to pray isn't praying it. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, we say all the time, like, give it to God. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yep, yep, give it to God. But I don't ever, like, there's times that I don't stop and actually say, God, I give you this specifically. Yes. And I receive whatever I need in return, right? Yes. And so um, I think we can all be guilty of, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Prayed for I need to pray for it, but mm-hmm. then you don't actually mm-hmm. go through. It's like going back to the things you know. Yeah. And so it is like actually sitting down and mm-hmm. singing the song. Yes. 
and sitting down and actually praying the prayer. A hundred percent. Even me on, because uh, God always meets me on my runs when I go on a run. And mm-hmm. I just was running and crying and just pouring my heart out before the Lord and didn't feel God at all, like just in such a place of heaviness. Mm-hmm. And as I began to just thank him for things, mm-hmm. um, just out loud, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. from a deep place, mm-hmm. like, God, thank you for my kids. God, thank you for, and I just started going through everything and immediately God's presence fell mm-hmm. and it was just so awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bible says when we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, but it's not, it's not the drawing near out of like obligation. It's mm-hmm. that he wants that raw unfiltered like praise that Mm -hmm. raw unfiltered gratitude Mm -hmm. and it's like in those places god always fills us with fresh Mm -hmm. oil i love this song i know i talk about this all the time i promise you it's gonna come out but when our church finally releases um on october 22nd this song it's so good but i love it so much because it talks about um just the holy spirit giving us a fresh wind and Mm -hmm. i love that song so much because I think we all need that, you mm-hmm. know. We all need the Lord to fill our horn with oil again. Mm-hmm. And and for us to have that third anointing, that that breakthrough that we've been believing for mm-hmm. in the place for God to meet us in that place yeah. of disappointment, yeah. to meet us in that place of heartache, um, that there's still a David in the field. You know, there's still more to be said. There's still more to be written of us. Uh, thank God that First Samuel doesn't end with First Samuel 15, you know. Yeah. But yeah. in Samuel's mind, it was done. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I think when you're in it, it's uh, when you're in it and you're waiting, mm-hmm. it's always it feels like it's gonna be a long time. I think I told you the other Oof. day. Yeah, I'm like when you're waiting for something, it always feels like it's gonna be ten years before it comes. Yeah, until it comes tomorrow. Yeah, David's like it was you know? fifteen years. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's like there's things every day that I'm like I'm walking in things that maybe that three months ago I was waiting for. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm walking in in palaces that I wished and I was hoping for. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and even, like, I remember being at school at Bethel and being like, God, all I want to do is lead worship. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, this is what's in my heart, but I feel like it's not ever going to happen. Mm-hmm. Or all I want to do is, like, record an album. Mm-hmm. Right? And then you get in it and you're like, I forgot. Mm-hmm. That I prayed for that. And mm-hmm. you and you don't realize, like, you have to be so intentional to remember, like, mm-hmm. and to acknowledge the things, the prayers that God's answering, mm-hmm. right? Because when so you're right. in the middle of it, it feels like it's just life. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes hard mm-hmm. to remember, like, I'm actually living in the middle of a prayer being answered right now. Yes. And I'm so concerned with what I'm waiting for next that mm-hmm. I never celebrated what God's already done. It's good. And so that's what gratitude does, though. Yes. It's like, I'm so thankful you did all these things, right? Mm-hmm. It's focusing on what God's already accomplished yes. gives you faith for what God's about to do, yes. right? Yes, Um And it's okay. We're always going to be waiting for something. Always. Which means we always have something to be thankful for. Yes. Right? Yes. And so one increases faith and one uh, dissolves our hope. Right? Yes. Yes, a hundred percent. It's right. so good. So, like, the hope, uh, hope deferred makes the heart. Uh-huh. Your heart makes the heart sick. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's that. I think. That, and I love in one translation it says unrelenting disappointment. Yeah, and, and that's the truth. Yeah, and I think even with that is mm-hmm. like when you are constantly focusing on what's not happening, right? Mm-hmm. Unrelenting disappointment. It's not just like bad things always happening to you. It's that you're so focused in on what's not happening mm-hmm. that your heart grows sick. 
Yes. Well, it's what happened to John. Yeah. Uh, John the Baptist, he sends word to Jesus, are you the one or should we wait for another? And Jesus says, send word back that the blind see, the deaf hear, the Mm -hmm. lame walk, and the Mm -hmm. dead are raised. Mm -hmm. So in other words, Jesus was saying, even though you're not experiencing breakthrough, it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. like that. It doesn't mean that I'm not still Messiah and that I'm not still doing breakthrough. And what gratitude does is it brings our awareness to God. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. And not just let me see the prison cell that I'm currently in. Yeah. Because disappointment keeps you like locked into the cell. 100%. Totally. I loved also what you said about um, David was chosen by God and not by people. And I think that uh, everybody deals with that. Like when when you're placed in a position, like actually by God, it never feels like it's because you're qualified, Mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. And other people might see it that way also. Like Mm -hmm. why why did they get that position? Mm -hmm. I'm actually more qualified or... Mm-hmm. Like all the words and things people think about that. Mm-hmm. And um, just like, I think the strength in that comes from like, right, is from sonship or daughtership. Yes. Right? Is saying like, I actually get this because I'm a son and a daughter yeah. of God. I yeah. didn't get this because anything I did. Yeah. It's right? not on merit. No. No. No, but you can only, I think the promotion that God wants to give you is only sustained by mm-hmm. understanding who you are in the kingdom yes. and who who you are according to the Father, mm-hmm. right? You can't sustain any promotion God's giving you if you think it's by your own doing. That's good. That's so good. You know? Yeah. And I think any place that you're in and you're in your power, mm-hmm. it's because you know that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's something in Holy Spirit group I often say. I'm like, if you leave this whole thing and you only understand that, you can go anywhere. Yes. We're going to reference Holy Spirit group (laughs) a lot. You should just come. (laughs) You should just come. It's really good. (laughs) Right. Right. But for real. No, I think that's totally good. I think that's that's one thing that God's worked on me continuously for because I definitely feel disqualified a lot often. So, yeah. And when you feel that, just remembering it. Mm-hmm. I didn't put myself here. Yeah, one of the things Brian's dad told me years ago is because the Bible talks about mantles, right? And they're given to us in the spiritual. And one time I got down from the platform and I was apologizing and, and I was like, oh, I should have done this better and I should have preached this better. And he looked at me and he said, you wear my mantle. And he's like, mm-hmm. when you wear it, just let it fall all around you and like wear it well mm-hmm. and hold your head high when you wear it. And he's like, the mantle, the mantle, it covers every, like, insufficiency that you're feeling. It covers mm-hmm. every insecurity. It covers everything that you see as lacking. And yeah. all people see is the presence. Yeah. And once he said that, I just, I literally picture in my mind when I step in, no matter what God's called me to do or what arena he's using me in in that, you know, time, I just picture myself wearing his mantle. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Lord, let me wear it well. Let it fall Mm -hmm. all around me. Mm -hmm. Let it cover every insecurity, every Mm -hmm. thing that I see as lacking because I'm never going to be enough Mm -hmm. in myself. But when I'm wearing your mantle, Mm -hmm. like I've I've got Mm -hmm. everything I need, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So it was the mantle that dropped from Elijah to Elisha that qualified Elisha. Elisha never went through Prophet 101 training, Mm -hmm. but he held the mantle. And the mantle is what equipped him and empowered him. Right. And the same is for us. Like, and we receive that through the Holy Spirit. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. That's so good. Yeah. That is so good. I love it. Great. Great. Good. I can't wait till the next part. Okay. Me too. This is good. Are you ready? 
I think so. So <laughs> just let the mantle fall all around you. Yeah, wherever you're at, just let the Lord's mantle fall all around you. I'm game, man. But for real, I'm receiving it right now, dude. For real, it'll change your life if you really do. It'll change your life. So. For real. hope you got so much out of today's content. Can you do me a favor and hit the subscribe button so you never miss out on any new content here on my podcast? Also, one of the best ways for people to find my podcast is by you. If you will, share this podcast on your social media or maybe text it to a friend. Help me get the word out so we can help others. Also, everything you need to know about today's podcast will be available down in the show notes. I also have a link for you to stay subscribed to my emails so you never miss out on anything that I have going on. So, hey, thank you so much for being here and let's do something awesome for God this week.